maybe a big reason why Ua Earth didn't work out mm. because I I had my way of looking at it and maybe that way of looking at it wasn't in the best interest of the whole business as a whole. It was right. still very much from my angle. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk. But to win big, you've got to reduce it. This episode is sponsored by ASTOTS Academy, which offers online courses to help investors better manage their stock portfolios, aspiring professionals to learn how to value any company in the world, business leaders to make their companies financially world-class, and even beginners to implement a simple lifetime investment plan. Go to myworstinvestmentever.com slash academy to get free access to my short course called Six Ways to Lose Your Money and Six Strategies to Win, where I share the six lessons I've learned from all of these podcast interviews. Well, fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts, and I'm here with featured guests. Now, you got to bear with me. I'm going to work through this name. I'm going to see if I can do it. Beverly Agbakoba. Onye Janya. Whoa, you, Beverly, welcome you, to you the got show. It. <laughs> Thank Beverly, you so much. Are you ready to rock? I am, yes. All right. Well, you know, we've we've made a lot of attempts to get together on the phone. So I'm really happy to have you now on the show. Let me just read and introduce the audience to you. And then after that, I, I want you to take okay. a few minutes to tell us about you. But Beverly is a sports and entertainment lawyer and entrepreneur. She is an accredited mediator with the Lagos High Court Multi-Door Center and also a member of the panel of neutrals at the Lagos Court of Arbitration. She has years of experience in banking and capital markets in the UK and Nigeria and is a Nigeria SEC registered compliance officer providing regional compliance, risk management and financial crime prevention advisory support. Her broad experience in the compliance industry covers investment banking, brokerage and fund management sectors. Additionally, she is passionate about sports and youth development and founded the Lagos <laughs> Tigers Football Club in 2012. Yay! And the Good Little Tigers. Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> the Little Tigers Football Foundation in 2017, as well as a social network for women called GFC. My goodness. Beverly, take a minute and fill in further tidbits about your life. Okay, so thank you so much, Andrew. I'm really, really happy to be on this show. Okay, so about me, I am, I always say that I wear so many hats. I'm a mother of three, three very boisterous kids. <laughs> I am a sports and entertainment lawyer. I'm a mediator. I'm also into policy making. I'm just an all-round person, I suppose. I'm I'm just, I'm just an ordinary person who loves doing many things in my career life and also in my professional life. And right now, sports and entertainment are my two main areas of focus. I feel like these are areas where the continent, the African continent really needs that, you know, that boost. It's, these are two areas that are very, very big in, in Africa, in Nigeria. So I am, you know, playing my part to help these industries rise and grow by, um, you know, rendering my legal expertise, but also, you know, I'm really proud of my, my football club, 
that I've established. It's tough. <laughs> it's not easy, but I really enjoy like seeing the faces, the smiling faces of the players that come, you know, right now, lockdown. The parents are like, when are we coming back to play football? When are we coming back? So that gives me so much joy that I can impact in my own way and in niche areas that I really, really love, sports and entertainment. So Fantastic. yes, that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> Sounds like you've got a lot of energy and you bring it to those kids and they give it back to you, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, trust me, they do. <laughs> Fantastic. Trust me. All right, well, now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one ever goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. Okay. Okay. So, you know what, this is actually the first time I'm talking about this publicly. So bear with me. I might get a bit emotional. <laughs> um, back in 2015, you know, like I said, I, I, I get involved in many things. It's something that will always be part of my personality and I make no apologies for it. So back in 2015, a good friend of mine in the financial services sector, Obi, you know, we were talking, talking about you know, we're always talking about how to, you know, better our lives. How can we, how can we do more? You know, that's the ultimate question. What is my purpose? How can I fulfill my, my life? How can I do things that will make me feel fulfilled? So, you know, she had this, this sense, that urge to, to do more. And we got talking about different things we could do. And she actually brought up, hey, why don't we, you know, do something in the agricultural sector. And because my mind wasn't really ripe, I wasn't too sure what she meant. I was like, okay, I'm open. Like, let's talk. You know, what What? What do you think we can do? So she um, suggested we come up with the butters, peanut butters. And I was like, what do you mean? She goes, yeah, you know, the butters, peanut butter. We don't have, well, back in 2015, it will shock you, Andrew, to know that we didn't have a well-packaged, locally manufactured peanut butter brand. Can That's you believe shocking. that? It's shocking. shocking. It's shocking. I mean, during my research back then, because like one thing about me is I have a very obsessive personality. I read everything about peanut butter and I was shocked to learn that I think in the U.S. it's like, I don't know, it's up there like the top five most popular foods or something. So I said, wow, the market for peanut butter abroad is huge. So why, why, you know, why don't we have this? So we started investigating, researching. Obi and I came up with the name of the brand. The brand is called Uwa Earth. Uwa. Uwa in our language. Obi and I are from the Igbo tribe in Nigeria, which is kind of located in the southeastern region of the country. So our language is called Igbo. So, you know, we're just, you know, looking for names and somehow that name just stuck. Earth, you know, the world's mm. earth. Uwa Earth Food. So the name stuck. And, you know, she produced a few samples and I thought they were amazing shared the samples with my network. We had how many samples? We had peanut butter samples. We had crunchy, smooth, you know, the favorites. And then the ingenuity is she also said, let's do cashew butter. It's nuts, right? Mm. Nuts can all, can all be ground, so grinded. So yeah, so we did cashew and we did it in flavors. I mean, it was really it was really forward thinking at the time, you know, back in 2015, cultural market was literally about to 
you know, go to new levels. So we were really on the pulse of what was going on. And the reception we received was incredible. You know, it wasn't like we were selling out, you know, in thousands or anything. But, you know, the thing about our market is very few FMCGs, that would be the fast moving consumer goods. That industry is really still dominated by the big conglomerates. So in terms of selling out thousands of units, even as at now, I can tell you that successful local brands still do not sell in the thousands. You know, we're still averaging Mm. hundreds of units. So, you know, we were in it to try and make an impact, to try and be part of this wave of change. And yeah, you know, we both found our our step, our way. You know, Obi is very um, detailed. She's a risk manager. I, you know, I'm a bit more brash and rash. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I I do the PR, you know, I, I, I would go on, you know, talk about our brand in different places. But unfortunately, I guess, you know, I, I was new to business and, you know, I, I, I guess hmm, it's difficult. You know, this is the first time I'm really talking about this. Yep. But yeah, there were a lot of mistakes that I made back then. You know, business is not easy. You have to have a you have to have a mature mind. You have to you have to be able to take a lot of pain as well as the good side. You know, there's so much emphasis on the great sides of business. And I'm glad for this podcast show because there's a lot of difficult times in business, a lot of difficult times. And I guess I wasn't prepared for those difficult times. I wasn't prepared for the clashes that we had. And yes, some of those clashes were caused by me. You know, when I think about some of the feedback she gave me, you know, I, I will never forget when she told me I am a lord to myself and that hurt me a lot. (laughs) It hurt me. You know, I, um, I see myself as a dynamic person. People that meet me say, wow, you got energy. Ah, Beverly, you're up and doing. And I like that part of me. But, you know, one thing I've learned since 2015 is delay is not denial. Delay is not denial has become my new (laughs) catchphrase simply because sometimes things do not have to run at top speed to indicate that you're on the right path. You know, there's something to be said for taking things slow and taking things steady. You know, 2015, that was five years ago. I I think I was quite a different person then. I believed more in, you know, the catchphrase, the need for speed. That was me. Like everything about me was fast, fast, fast. You know, so I, I mean, to be honest, I haven't completely let go of that trait. I still am addressing some of those those impatient issues in my life today, you know, my team will say, my goodness, you want it now. So I'm learning that, you know, you have to work at a pace that is, you know, realistic. It's not about you. It's not just about you. And I think that was maybe the mis- part of the reason why, um, maybe a big reason why what Earth didn't work out mm. because I, I had my way of looking at it and maybe that way of looking at it wasn't in the best interest of the whole business as a whole. It was right. still very much from my angle, you know. So, you know, it's a regret. Who knows where it could have gone? But I don't regret it totally because if that hadn't happened, I don't think I would have I would have developed my 
my career in sports. I, I guess, look, the way I look at it, we have so many chances in life to do different things. So mm. where one door closes, one door, another door will simply open. So, you know, yeah, Ua Earth was the big brand that never quite made it. Right. You and know. can let me ask you, can you can you remember or recall the worst day or the time that you kind of knew it was over? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, so very interestingly, it got to a point where it was just difficult to communicate. Again, I had my issues and I wasn't confronting them. I think the day I knew it was over was the day I... (laughs) Yeah, was the day I got the factory locked. Mm. Yeah, that was that was pretty that was pretty rash. I don't know. I I guess I acted very emotionally. I was very emotionally driven and I don't know. I got upset about something and I I just I just changed all the locks in the mm. factory. So she couldn't access it. Yeah, it's quite raw. It's quite raw because (laughs) I'm thinking about it now like, wow, I, you know, but, you know, I've also made peace and I've, I've, you know, I've asked for, you know, I've apologized for some of my actions, Mm. those actions, you know, when you're, when you're having, and I guess that's also why I fell into mediation because I realized I'm not, you don't, you don't solve problems by, being rash or by not confronting your problems. So my rash response to perhaps genuine issues I had and also genuine issues she had, I I just, you know, I just closed off and did something really, really unacceptable. Mm. And I'm sure people listening will think, what, how can you be in a partnership with somebody and that person goes and blocks everything off? So let's... Well, yeah. It happens. Mm. It's interesting. I, I'm curious, what lessons did you learn from this? Mm, okay. So again, I learned being rash when you are confronted with a problem, with a misunderstanding, you don't necessarily have to, to act immediately. You don't need to act on whatever comes to your mind first, because sometimes the first thing you think of doing can put you in jail. Yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. And that is a side of me that I had to, you know, I had to grow up a bit, you know, I had to grow up. I call it emotional intelligence. It's funny. I am now such a big believer in, in developing emotional intelligence because it is people who have high EI quotient that tend to be better leaders, that tend to be better teammates and, and colleagues, you know, because you could have the best skills, you can, you can be the best, but what is the point if your EI is so poor, you find it difficult to work with people because every little thing irritates you or niggles at you, you know? When you're running a business, it is unnatural to expect that your partner, your business partner will agree with everything you say and vice versa. Not everything your business partner will suggest are things you may necessarily agree to, but it doesn't mean that you should take it personal. I think I couldn't draw the line in the past between 
you know, taking things personal and looking at this from a business perspective, things that affected the, you know, suggestions about around the business that perhaps were not my ideas, I would look at it as, oh, but my suggestion wasn't taken. So mm. I've learned from 2015 that you have to kind of also meet people where they are. Everybody has their own personal reference point and it may not be personal. It may just be their reference point. So, you know, where we could have complemented each other well, she is the risk manager. So she can see clearly where the risks are, but I am the, okay, I'm just going to, you know, do the networking and go around and network and meet people and move quickly, you know? So sometimes perhaps I, I didn't, you know, I took for granted that those skills are actually complementary and it's by no means, how do I say this? You cannot measure a fish by a goat, they have two different <laughs> skills. So that's the way I now see life. Everybody has different skill sets that they bring to bear. So using, measuring other people by your standards, you'll never be satisfied. You'll yeah. never be happy. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing I've learned. Everyone has something unique. And, you know, we came together in the beginning for a reason because we felt, you know, we're friends and we can complement each other. And, you know, if somebody gives you feedback that is constructive, you shouldn't take it personal. You know, yep, when she yep. said you're, you're a lawn to yourself, <laughs> I should have looked, I should have should looked have sat at down and had a little and chat. Had a, yeah. And it's, have it's think, somebody oh, said that God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But let, so, me, let me summarize what I took away from your story. There's a few things that come up in my mind. The first thing okay. is that I, while you were talking, I just, I opened up a spreadsheet of the financial performance of a company that I started with my best friend 25 years ago. And it's a coffee okay. works, my coffee business. And nowadays we have about a hundred or so staff and, you know, it's a successful company, but for the first eight years, we lost money. Mm, <clears throat> goodness. Wow. And, uh, and it was brutal. And wow. of course, we started just before the 1997 Asian crisis. So first three years were just, you know, awful. And somehow we stayed in and kept our friendship and our relationship together and built the business. But the point that, I, that made me open that up and remind myself of the eight years is the idea that I always tell people, you know, if you want to learn about starting up a company, don't talk to me. Go buy a book. They're all out there. And they tell you all about the good side of starting exactly. up. Exactly. But exactly. what you reminded me of is that, you know, there's a tougher side and they don't often mm-hmm. talk about it. And we found a book called, ah, I forgot the name of it, but it you was, need to remember. I got it. I got to get it. I used to, I used to have it. We call it the Bible, but basically the guy said, he said, you know, you know, the big world of business and all of this. And he said, you're not in it you're a small company and you're going to get nothing and everybody's going to squeeze you out and they're going to want cash. And the only way you're going to be able to survive is to realize that you have to fight for everything you get. And absolutely. when we, when we read that, you know, both of us, uh, Dale and I both read that and we were like, yep, we got to fight to survive. The second thing hmm. that I, that I take away was what mom used to always say, which is slow and steady wins the race. Absolutely. 
And then absolutely another thing that you said is it's not just about me, you know, what I've learned is in business, we oftentimes talk about a runway and say, you know, how much capital do you have to finance your runway? But I oftentimes say that there's an emotional runway, you know, that mm. people need to know that this is going to take off and you could mm. still have cash, but run out of the emotional runway. And so mm. it's important to think about all the people, you know, involved, all the stakeholders. And then the final thing is that to be successful in any startup, generally what you have to have is you have to have different skills. You need Absolutely. an accountant, you need a salesperson, you need a product person, you need a delivery yes. execution. And those people don't always get along because they're coming from different places. But exactly. if you can't figure out a way to keep everybody together, you're not going to have it. So those are some of exactly. my takeaways. Anything you'd add to that? Just to, to bolster what you said about in business, you need... I would say different parts of the army. You have your infantry, you have, you know, the guys that go to the front line, you have the infirmary, you have all these different parts. And then you have, you know, the, the captain that's, yep. you know, stands at the front. You need, it's, I can't stress so much how much you need all these different parts to, to support a business. And sometimes when you are at the early stages of business, you are wearing so many hats. <laughs> you are the accountant, the PR, the marketer, the sales, the, and, and those stresses can take a toll, which I think is also kind of what happened with us as well, because yeah. you're operating from, in fact, now I, I can see clearly now, like the song. I can because see clearly now, clearly the now. rain is gone. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, now, now the rain is gone. I can see where the pain points in our relationship came from because, you know, I'm there like, we need to market. We need to go on every station and talk about this product. But then she on the product development side is like, look, we need to slow down. We got to deliver. Still, we need <laughs> to deliver. We need to finesse this product. The product is still, you know, at the time packaging mm. was an issue. Not yeah. like now where I, I always say, you know, there's always the forerunners that pave the way and take the pain. Mm. Now packaging is so easy, but back in 2015, it was a nightmare. Yep. So there were all these pain points that we were experiencing because we were doing something so new. And of course there wasn't much money. So we had to absorb all these different roles and you feel the tension because you're, you're in so many different roles. And that's something that business owners need to realize. That's yep. why the accountants don't agree with the, mm. with the marketers sometimes because the marketers want more money. The accountants are like, look, we're checking the bottom line. It has to balance the book exactly so i would say you know be easy i love what you said about how your business i mean not that i love that you bled dry for eight years nobody wants that but the truth is i love the end story which is you stuck it out mm. that long i mean there's another lesson because some people may say you need to know when to just close things you know there's so many ways you can look at it but yep. for you yep. it clearly worked out you just need yeah. to know deep down and intuitively whether this is for you or not. Amen. Don't flog a dead horse, but <laughs> at the same time, don't give up too soon. I yeah. know we gave up too soon. Again, yeah. because yeah. of all the issues surrounding, you know, things that just happened and decisions that I 
that that I took unilaterally because I was like in a hurry and I just wanted us to just move, you know, it, yep, you yep, know, it's yep. so many things happened in a way, no regrets because, you know, we kind of, we kind of did something that made people sit up and take notice. We kind of, you know, got other people thinking, Hey, we can do this too. So now you have other not butter manufacturers in the Nigerian market, definitely not as many as you would expect. It's it's crazy to think that mm. five years later, there's still not that many. They're less than five. <laughs> so we, we were in a good market. Yep, I mean, yep. I'm not going back to that line of business for sure, but you know, no regrets. It was there. It was, there. It was All right. yeah. Last yeah. question. What's your okay. number one goal for the next 12 months? Oh, my number one goal is digital content. I am really fully embracing, you know, that digital content is the way forward. This podcast we're on right now is another amazing example of digital content. So I'm going to be focusing on, you know, just, yeah, trying to do something with, with, with another brand. I've got that in the works right now. My podcast, Develop Your A-Game. Yeah, I'm going to be working a lot on that and using my legal expertise into that too. So watch this space. (laughs) Excellent. We will watch it. And in 12 months from now, let's follow up. Well, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. Remember to go to myworstinvestmentever.com slash academy to get free access to my short course, Six Ways to Lose Your Money and Six Strategies to Win. As we conclude, Beverly, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. And on behalf of Ace Dots Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst (laughs) investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Yes, I do. Just stay consistent, stay consistent and stay authentic. That's it. (laughs) Beautiful, beautiful. Well, that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and most importantly, protect our well fellow risk takers. This is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott, saying I'll see you on the upside.